Hey, I know you've seen these baby announcements. It's like one of the most joyful moments in many young couples' lives. They find out they're going to have a baby, and so the wives go on Pinterest or, or whatever, and they figure out that, hey, we've got to tell people that we're having a baby. And so they buy the little special shoes and hire a photographer maybe. They brainstorm what little witty thing they're going to post on Facebook, and they announce to the world, hey, a baby's on the way. Mills, party of three. And it was actually pretty funny for us. We didn't really do that for Knox. I don't remember doing a baby announcement for Knox, but our kids are 14 months apart. And so, you know, it's kind of a surprise to find out you've got another baby on the way. And so we thought we'd make a big splash in the world and let all our family and friends know that God had blessed us with another kid. And so we went to the store to try to find the perfect big brother onesie. But, you know, they don't make big brother onesies in six-month-old uh, baby clothes. <laughs> So we were left to just kind of post on Facebook or mark out big, uh, little brother and put big brother on Knox's onesie, and it was kind of cute. But, you know, there's something about having a baby on the way that makes moms and dads want to share the, the news with the world. And by the time it makes it to us, whether it's on Facebook or maybe you get a postcard from your niece or nephew in the mail or something, uh, man, you're just so excited and overwhelmed with joy. Like, look at this baby that's on the way. Praise God for his gift. But you know, as special as those baby announcements are, none of them are quite like the announcement that the angel gave Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. God's announcement of Jesus' coming birth was different. Um, while we like to think about what our kids could be, none of us ever dare on a baby announcement to make a prediction about what the child's future career will be. You know, announcing the world's greatest neurosurgeon. You know, that, yeah, people would hear that and they'd be so presumptuous. You don't know what your kid's going to turn out to be. None of us go as far as to sort of make speculation about the impact our child will have on the world. Hey, get ready, world. Somebody's coming that's going to change human history. Nobody says that. It just says, hey, we got a baby on the way. Yet when God announces the birth of Jesus, he doesn't leave anything to chance. There's no speculation. He lays it out explicitly. He tells us who this baby's going to be and what he's going to do. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, I want to remind you, challenge you even, to celebrate Christmas the way God would have you celebrate. Not as some nostalgic holiday, not full of sentimentality, but really seeing Jesus for who he is and responding to him appropriately. I got four ways we need to celebrate Christmas today. And the first one is simple. We're going to celebrate Christmas by worshiping Jesus as God. Okay, we're going to worship Jesus as God. Now, this is what we see in verses 20 and 23, and I'll get there, but, you know, every dad is surprised. Every soon-to-be dad is surprised when their wife tells them, hey, honey, I got some news for you. We're pregnant. But none of them were as surprised as Joseph when he found out Mary was pregnant. Okay, defies human explanation. The only solution he can come to is that his fiance has been unfaithful to him. And so, you know, Joseph's racking his brain, trying to figure out how he's going to handle this situation to preserve his honor and not to embarrass Mary too bad. And an angel appears to him in a dream. And he says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her is from the Holy Spirit. The angel announces to Joseph that, listen, the baby that your fiance is carrying is different. 
totally unlike any baby who's been born before. He is from the Holy Spirit. Mary, when Gabriel comes to her and tells her she's going to have a baby, she says, how is this even possible? The angel says, well, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. There's uh, some mystery involved in this for sure, but from the beginning, the angel announces to Joseph that Jesus is going to be different. Of course, Matthew tells us in verse 23 that Jesus' birth is a fulfillment of what the prophet Isaiah had said in Isaiah chapter 7. The virgin will conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this child, Emmanuel, was given to King Ahaz as a sign from God that God was going to be with his people to protect and bless them despite the war going on around them. And so the baby's born. And yet Isaiah's prophecy starts to blend into something otherworldly. In Isaiah chapter 9, he says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I mean, Isaiah's predictions about this human child, but as he starts to see through time all that God will accomplish through him, he sees that he only points forward to another child, another Emmanuel, who will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah sees that this baby is unique, unlike anyone else. He even begins to hope and speculate that the baby will be God with his people. And Matthew tells us that's exactly who Jesus is. Jesus is God with us. And through the course of his life, all kinds of strange things will happen, things that the Bible tells us his mother Mary stores up in her heart. Eventually, the people who walked around with Jesus and saw his mighty deeds thought to themselves, who is this man? Where did he come from? Of course, Jesus is God. That's the only way to come to it. That there's something unique about him. He is God with us. Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. And therefore, we only celebrate Christmas rightly when we worship him as God. And the interesting thing is you already start to get this feel in Matthew's gospel. Right after the angel announces to Joseph who the baby's going to be, Three wise men show up from the east who've come to bow down before him and bring him gifts. And have you thought about how significant it is that these three wise men travel for some baby born in some far off place? They knew because of the star that had appeared that he was different. And for months, I mean months of arduous travel, overcoming all kinds of things. Can you all the planes that were grounded this week? because of the bomb cyclone. I just love that. Is it a cool cyclone? That cyclone is the bomb. That's what I think about. That's slang that some of y'all totally disconnect with. But it's like not just any cyclone, it's the bomb. Anyway, I thought that was great. But you think about what these wise men must have experienced. All the travel complications, but they, they saw something in the sky that told them, a baby's been born who's the king, and we gotta go bow before him and bring him our gifts. It's like the boy in the song, Pum 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 Pum. I don't know if you remember the words to it. I'm a poor boy too, Pum 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 Pum. And I have no gift to bring, Pum 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 Pum. That's fit to give a king, Pum 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 Pum. Shall I play for you on my drum? I mean, it's clear 
that when we think about Christmas, we automatically go to Jesus as God in the flesh who is worthy of our worship. And so today, at home, basking in the glow of family and gifts, celebrate Christmas by worshiping Jesus as God. But number two, we celebrate Christmas rightly by trusting Jesus for redemption. We trust Jesus for redemption. That's what the angel tells Joseph. Call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Right at the beginning, the angel announces the purpose of Jesus' birth. This is the whole reason Jesus is being born. He's going to save his people from their sins. God does what none of us would dare do. None of us would say, world's greatest neurosurgeon. But God says, this is what this boy is going to accomplish. He's going to save his people from their sins. You know, God knew that because from all eternity past, God had purpose to send his son for this very reason. And he waited all through the successive generations from one century to the next until the time was right. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians 4 that when the fullness of time had come, when the last grain of sand fell out of God's hourglass, when the second hand finally kicked over, that was the moment when God sent forth his son to be born of a woman and born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters of God. That's the whole purpose of Jesus' birth, to save his people from their sins. And how would he accomplish it? How could he possibly save us from the rebellion that we'd enacted against God? Well, he had to take on human flesh and blood. We saw that several weeks ago in Hebrews chapter 2, that because his brothers and sisters have flesh and blood, it's perfectly fitting that he takes of the same so that he could rescue them from the fear of death. Because Jesus took on human flesh and lived a sinless life, he was able to offer up himself on the cross as a perfect sacrifice. Peter says it in 1 Peter 2, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. I mean, imagine what it must have been like when the second hand did click over and the time was right for the Son of Heaven to leave his glorious throne to enter into human weakness and take on flesh. I mean, it's a wonderful celebration for us. It seems like a downgrade for him, right? It's like, why would I want to give up everything I have to take on their sin? And Paul apparently thought about that a lot, and the Holy Spirit gave him insight and inspired him to tell us exactly why. So that though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he became obedient, obedient even to the point of death on the cross. And because of that, God has highly exalted him and has given him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It seems like a downgrade for us, but he knew that the thing that would please the Father the most, the thing that would bring the most joy and glory to God was for him to leave his place, come to earth, so he could redeem broken people like you and me. So when you celebrate Christmas, trust him for redemption. Number three, you got to seek him in relationship. Celebrate Christmas by seeking Jesus in relationship. I think, I think about this. God with us 
You know, that with is key, isn't it? The with is the stuff of family and friends. It's not me by myself. It's me with you. It's us together. And when the angel says that Jesus is being born and Matthew sees it as a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, it means that God is with us. He is renewing his relationship to his people. Of course, Joseph and Mary knew all about this relationship. They belonged to a people who knew God. He was their God, and they were his people. And everywhere they went, God went with them. When he rescued them from Egypt, he led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night, showing them his presence. He led them through the wilderness to a great mountain called Sinai, where he met with them and showed them his glory through a cloud, and they heard his voice from the mountain as the blasting of a trumpet. And he ushered them through the wilderness for 40 years and brought them into the promised land where he instructed them to build first a tabernacle and a temple where he could make his presence felt on earth so that when they gathered the way he had commanded them in the appropriate place, they could be sure that God was with them. That's the covenantal dimension of God's relationship with his people. But I've thought so much over the past couple of weeks not just about the objective reality of God's presence with his people, but what that means for us on a personal level. And I keep coming back to Psalm 23 and David's wonderful prayer about the Lord as a shepherd. And he says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I mean, God is with his people, right? I mean, wherever we go, he's there. And yet for 400 years, the people of Israel lived in silence, always looking back to what God had done in the past and always hoping, sometimes without any evidence other than the words on the page, that maybe someday God would be with them like that again. Maybe it would be like the glory days when God's glory hovered over the temple and we would know that God was with us. And for 400 years, they waited and they longed and they hoped and they sang songs like, O come, O come, Emmanuel. They hoped. And then Jesus was born and it became reality. I mean, John says in John chapter 1, we read it last night, that the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. He lived with us. He walked with us. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to bear pain and to suffer sorrow and to be hungry, and to be tired, and to be worn out. He knows. He's one of us, and he's with us in it all. I love the Christmas hymn. We're going to sing it in just a second. Hark the herald, angels sing. And the, the line in there that, that lodges in my mind is when we praise God for Jesus, who enacts reconciliation, God and sinner reconciled. He brings us together. And so it's only appropriate to celebrate Christmas by seeking Jesus in human relationship. Think think about these kings again who sought Jesus, who followed the star, who every morning woke up making another leg in the journey and every night laid their head on their pillow thinking about the next steps they'll have to take the next day. They sought Jesus. And I wonder if you seek Jesus like that not just on Christmas, but day by day throughout the year, is knowing Jesus more deeply the reason for your life? Is being conformed into his image 
your hope, when you're making your New Year's resolutions, do you say to yourself, I hope that at the end of next year, I'm closer to Jesus than I am today. That's what it means to seek Jesus in relationship, to abide in him and make your home in him so that his words and his actions become the lenses by which you view your life and world. Seek him in relationship. And last but not least, we celebrate Christmas by awaiting Jesus in hope. See, and I've kind of taken some liberties with this passage because the fact is, this passage only speaks about Jesus being God with us. And you have to read the rest of the story to find out how, in a very real sense, Jesus is not with us. I mean, his spirit, he's given us his spirit, who's not just outside of us. Like, the disciples thought it was great that they had walked around with Jesus as God in the flesh for three and a half years, and they were terribly afraid of him leaving. Now, Jesus could say in John chapter 14, it's better that I go for you because as soon as I go, the Father's going to send another comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you always. And so it's, real, it's, it's true that we have God with us in a way that even the disciples, when they saw Jesus walking around, didn't have him. And yet, at the same time, Jesus is not with us. He is in heaven, and he's promised us he's coming back from there again. See, if you look at Jesus' life and even the announcements God made about his birth, it seems that there are several things that are left unfulfilled. Like, I think about what Gabriel told Mary. Behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be called Great, and the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Now, how is it possible that if this is what God said Jesus was going to accomplish, it's very obvious that if Jesus is reigning over a kingdom, it, it doesn't look like things are going too well. Looks like out there in the world, the kingdom of darkness continues to exert its authority. It continues to win people over. Look at the wars happening around us and the conflict and the disorder and the destruction. I mean, it's terrible. How is Jesus with us? The Bible teaches us to live in this transitional time where it's true that God has started his work, but it's not yet complete. And so we await Jesus in hope. He ascended to heaven, and he sits there now, ruling and reigning, overseeing and superintending all things until its appointed end. But one day, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the cry of an archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and those who are still living will be called to meet the Lord in the air. And so, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, we will always be with the Lord. See, this is great. Jesus came to make God with us, and he promises to come again so that we will be with God. And so, this Christmas season reminds us to enter into a season of hope, to accept, just to name it, that, hey, the world is not as it's supposed to be. But that's no problem for us Christians. We are awaiting Jesus in hope. We know that when he comes back, he will subject all things to himself, and every enemy will be put under his feet. I love the way some families practice this hoping and waiting in the month leading up to Christmas. And maybe you've done this. You've bought your kids the Advent calendar or your grandkids where they open the door and they pull out the piece of chocolate and get to eat it. We were over at the Bowers house yesterday, 
And the Bowers have this special calendar on their bookshelf. And it says something cute. I don't know. <laughs> but it has little wedges cut out of the wood with the numbers 1 to 25 over it. And there's this little star. And so the star fits perfectly in the wedge of this calendar. And every day it moves closer, counting down the days till Christmas. And so we were there. And I was fascinated by it because one time I saw a square wheel that rolled perfectly over ground that was cut out in arcs. Some of y'all ge geometrists would be able to explain how this works. And so I wondered if you could take the star and the five points of the star sort of roll through the wedges. You know, and so I was trying it. And since it was on day one, the only thing I could do was to go backwards. And so I start rolling it. But Jacob was right there. And he said, no, 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 no. There's only one day left. Don't roll it back. You know, I was thinking about that. I mean, how terrible if on Christmas Eve, the clock automatically started going in reverse. And you're like, we're so close. And then day by day, it moves in reverse. Wouldn't that be terrible? But you know, as we await the Lord Jesus to return in hope, the clock never goes backwards. It's closer today to his return than it's ever been. And like kids on the edge of our seat waiting to open the door or to move the star to the next wedge, we ought to await him in hope. We ought to look forward to the day like kids looking forward to Christmas. Are you waiting for Jesus like that? Does his second coming fill you with hope and confidence that you can face whatever life throws at you? That nothing can separate you from the love of God and nothing can subvert the plans he has for those who love him? Await Jesus in hope. So today, as you celebrate Christmas, don't slip into the commercialized, sentimentalized, romanticized Christmas. Celebrate it the way God would have you do. Celebrate Christmas by worshiping Jesus as God, by trusting him for redemption, by seeking him in relationship, and by awaiting him in hope. Will you pray with me?